and welcome back to The Light Pot for episode two of two with Howard Branston. We got to catch up with him a little bit on what it means in terms of the fact that rules are just a substitute for thinking. And also, if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. Because if you do, you will accomplish ultimately what you want to accomplish. Howard, welcome back to The Light Pond. It's great to have you here for the second episode. It's great to be here. It's a great opportunity for me. We're having a lot of fun up here this weekend in Hollowville, New York, which is just south of Albany. It's wintertime. The sun sets at 4.30 in the afternoon. There's 27 inches of snow on the ground. But that doesn't stop Howard from being passionate and uh, having a good time. Howard, do me a favor. I know that there's a lot that you've accomplished in lighting and in marksmanship and hunting and fishing, but you've also done a lot of volunteering and public service to help people out. What's that been like for you? It's really important to have a pro bono career where you are doing public good. We had an energy crisis. The president of the IS at the time needed a volunteer to work on the first energy commission for the United States. And he asked if I would do that. I leaped at that opportunity. What a chance to maybe make a contribution to mankind. Energy was something I could really understand. Lighting played a part in that. I thought this would be a rare opportunity for me. So I took the job and I went to Washington every month to go to a meeting and it was an astounding experience for me. I was alone from the IES. The architects came with a small team, including lawyers. So did the engineers, etc., etc. And we began to discuss all the various things we might consider. And the federal government did their job too. They came up with proposals for things that we might consider. And I would say, did you consider if we did that what the unintended consequences might be? Because were they not necessarily thinking of things the right way? They were not thinking of the things the way a practitioner who's a professional designer would think of them. They were thinking of them like a politician. They were meeting some political requirement to deal with the energy crisis. So that got shot down. And remind me again, what year was this all happening? In the 1970s, I think. This was happening in 1970. You were living up in New York City at the time. Yes. You were a member of Howard Branson Lighting Design Incorporated Company, your own lighting design firm. You had uh, about 15 years of experience in the IES said, Howard, we need you to go help out, but you had to do it all alone. Yes, I was happy to do that. I mean, here was an opportunity to make a real contribution, something I knew well, something I could give real data. I had dozens and dozens of real projects that I could show them calculations. I could show them anything they wished. I had total backup. They had very little things like that. And I had a huge suitcase full of examples, which I took with me to Washington. So this went on a couple of more visits. And I would be there and I would say, did you consider if we did what you suggested, this is the government again, what the unintended consequences might be. 
well, this was not sitting well with the federal government, causing somewhat discomfort with my fellow professionals. One day, they were back again, and another proposal came forward, and I was about to say something, and you could see the guys from the government were ready to get up and strangle me. The moderator for the meeting said, hold on, fellows. One thing we must be totally aware of is that even though, you know, we professionals sitting here trying to work this out don't agree with much, sir, except to disagree with you. <laughs> that- <laughs> Wait, so, the- so you had you had a group of professionals that was in Washington. Yes, all do, all providing pro bono service to benefit the world, essentially, thinking of ways to deal with energy. And here we were. We were having a hard time agreeing on a, on a lot of things. That didn't mean we weren't trying. And I think that's what's so cool, right? It's um, I casually just chuckled there, but it it's because there was one opinion of how to solve the energy crisis, which would have done nothing for the practice of lighting. And then there was a group of people that, while they all had different opinions, were able to unite underneath it. You bet. And I thought to myself, wow, Howard, what have you done? You've done nothing. You've stopped them from doing things that might have led to unintended consequences. But what did you, what was your contribution? What did you do? So I thought about that. Then I wrote the mathematical equation that was used to set the upper power limit for lighting for the first energy code. That was a real contribution, and I felt good. And this was maybe one of the first big accomplishments that you feel like you made in the lighting industry, yet you'd been in it for almost 20 years. Yep. This was given to me by the president of the IES. He appointed me, and I asked, why are you giving this to me? I am not, you know, not the favorite person here in the Illuminating Engineering Society. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. You know, and that's okay. We know who said we all were agreeing on anything. But we do talk to each other. We do communicate. Here we are working together, even if we're not agreeing at this moment. But we finally found something to agree upon. This equation that I wrote was tested thoroughly by the government and some of the other mathematically accomplished folks in the room. And that equation was the basis for the setting the upper power limit for lighting for Standard 90, the first edition of Standard 90. I really felt like I had done something that was significant. You know how good you feel when you do something like that? It's hard to measure. So it's hard to measure, but clearly it didn't stop you from trying to continue to achieve success and do things that made you feel like that. To me, it sounds like that's what really ultimately drove you to do most of what you did in your career. What else? That's food. That's food. Yeah. <laughs> it was the food for Howard's career it was success that was measurable by helping humanity. What else did you get to do in public service? It's hard for me to think about that. Yeah, I helped in code writing. I helped in all variety of things. I offered, you know, assistance in giving opinions on recommended practices. It didn't matter if people agreed or disagreed. I was just providing a thought to be considered. It was working together. It was this open-minded open-minded expression of doing something good 
and the being a pro bono service to benefit the practice. So for everybody that's listening out there, I think that it's an incredible opportunity to hear from you, Howard Branson, who so many people really do look up to as a distinguished professional, maybe a distinguished marksman, fisherman, one of the many things that you've done. Make sure that you spend time giving back because the real accomplishments and success in your life will never be measured by the money you make or the awards that you win or... (laughs) anything else that maybe is a bit material rather think about people and how you can make a lasting impact it's important to feel that you've used the time and energy you've spent learning about what to do and sharing it with everybody taking the advantage of that of the opportunities to do that work and then using that experience and sharing it so other people and have the advantage of thinking about things like that. And in your opinion, why do you think that the pro bono world is the best way to do that? Because that's where public service begins. That's why lawyers do it. Doctors do it. You know, look at the service that some medical people to give, treating people around the world for no cost. Do you think that today that pro bono work and public service for lighting is maybe more important than ever? Right now, I think it is, because we've got to keep it out of the hands of politicians. Politicians have a different goal in life. Look at the state of our country today. (laughs) I hate to use that as a model, but I wonder what happened to morality. And do you feel like we could be in trouble with with energy because maybe the wrong things are getting focused on? or I think they're not focusing on what the consequences of not getting this problem solved would be. And so I hope that they come to some conclusion that they can all agree on and not look at personal benefit. Well, it's definitely something that I agree everybody should keep in mind because lighting does so much so have uh, an impact on humans because we are visual people and we communicate visually and we see because of light. And to limit what light does based off political requirements is something that we need to make sure doesn't happen and supporting that through nonprofits is important. I think the IES actually has a a committee that tries to get to Washington and help continue to assist the DOE and other government entities to make sure that the right things are done. Hopefully in the future, that's something that will continue to happen. I hope we proceed with an open-minded approach and that we listen to each other. We don't have to agree, but we do have to listen and sort through some of the things that are put forth to be sure there are no unintended consequences. An open mind is definitely something that we should probably chat just a little bit more about. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what it means to have an open mind as a creative person and also push yourself into places that you may not be so comfortable with, but ultimately help you become successful. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick. The Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little entertainment. Speaking of which, we recently released a six-part documentary on Howard so that you would have the chance to get to know him a little more. Be sure to head over to the YouTube channel and check them out in any order that you want. Episode one is on the residents. Episode two is about him growing up. 
Episode three is his technique and advice. This one is particularly inspiring. Episode four is on his career. Episode five is about his hunting trip to Africa with actual footage from the safari in 1987. While episode six is about founding the IALD 50 years ago. Be sure to sign up to our mailing list for bonus content too. I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Light Pod for part two of part two with Howard. Let's talk just a little bit more about what it means in Howard's opinion to have an open mind when not only approaching lighting and design, but life in general. Having an open mind means not having an opinion about something you know nothing about. If you're tackling anything new, treat it as something new. Treat it as something that you can make a contribution to. If it's been done and you've seen it before and you know what the benefits are or the problems with it are, learn from that. If you are following some rule, you are not creating anything. You're just copying. I would always want to create something. I would always like to give birth to some idea, something that would make a step ahead, be a little footstep in progress. If I saw it before, I would try and make some step forward, take whatever the goal of that was to begin with and improve upon it. It takes an open mind to do that. It's easier to just follow along with what has been done what has been successful, though it's another successful job, but it's not making a step forward. I look forward to always being that person, making that step. It's amazing when you start to look for something like that, how many times you will find it. You, If you don't look, you'll never find it. If you don't try, you'll never succeed. You can always make an experiment, make a test run, do something. But see what happens. See if you learn from your mistake. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. There's something wrong with not following up and making it right. I experimented with everything. Every project is an experiment. Every project is a goal to come up with something that's better. It is this magic opportunity that presents itself if you're willing to have an open mind and making a step forward in creating this change. And when you have an open mind, I think that there's an opportunity for you to not only push yourself, but there's an opportunity to always keep things fresh, which is inherently, I think, what design is. No two buildings are the same. No two ideas are ever the same. But Howard, as you always took the opportunity to have an open mind and be creative and try to make sure that things were always different and and push the envelope, do you feel like you ever had a tough time doing that? Or or what did you use to drive you, to inspire you, to keep that up through your storied 60-year career? That is not an an easy criteria to follow. It requires really willingness to apply yourself to levels that you might never have thought you could do. And when you're reaching that that precipice, that's the time to keep going forward because that's when you are going to make that step. If you give up too soon, it's a wasted opportunity. Every job you get is an opportunity to create something new. There is nothing wrong with looking at other ways of doing things 
it might be an improvement. When you start to study them like that, you will find the little clue you need to make that step. If you never think like that, if you never make the attempt to do that, you will never do it. But if you always start out intending to do that, you will eventually get it done. It all goes back to where you started before you ever even knew lighting was a thing. High school in Leon Friend in a blank white sheet of paper. Yes, it was remarkable how that one sentence in front of you is a blank sheet of paper. That's the opportunity for a work of art. Let's see what you can do. So when you get that blank sheet of paper, let's see what you can do. Please, please, let's see what you can do. So creativity ultimately can drive a lot of things. And rules are just a substitute for not thinking. And when you think, think to the best of your ability and study and learn and, and do everything the best you can. And poof, you'll be Howard Branston. Well, maybe you won't be Howard Branston, but you'll be the best version of yourself. Howard, there's so much that you've done in your career. There's so much that you've been able to not only share with the people around you, but share with everyone that's listening today. Do you have any words of advice or wisdom or anything that you might just be able to share with us in closing that culminates and inspires the next generation of lighting designers? Get a mentor. Get several mentors. They don't have to be alive. I look at, you know, some of the great people whose work I've read. We're, we're sitting here in your office and you're looking at a wall full of books. There must be my goodness, there must be over 250 books on this wall. Are you saying each one of those is a mentor for you too? Not every one of them, but some of those guys have impacted some way, some notion that was an inspiration. When I look at the work of Bell on that wall, that book is, I think, from 1902. It's the first time I saw the words lighting design together as a design thing not as a technical piece, not as a technical tool, but as a creative step in doing something better. I mean, just that initial book and that initial opportunity to push yourself is is what ultimately kicked off this whole thing. I also, there's a picture over here in the corner of a guy named Stanley. McCandless. Stanley McCandless, one of one of your favorite and most notable mentors. Yes, he was one of my principal mentors, and he was the god of lighting at that time, a method of lighting the stage. All the world is the stage. Good old William Shakespeare. What did Stanley do for you? He just wrote very simple sentences in a, in a method of lighting the stage, just simple things that if you thought of them, I said, my goodness, all you have to do is that. And this will be better. And what was cool was he wrote a method, not the method. It's right? not the method. It was a method. So there was it was open-minded. It was keeping an open mind. It was this open-minded approach to everything. It was not a rule to follow. There was an open-minded attitude to take to get the problem solved properly, creatively. And did Stanley, as a mentor, challenge you to be open-minded, or did he just present opportunities that allowed you to be open-minded? He created the environment where that happened. He had the ability to do that. And at the time, did you know that I he had, was doing that? I had no idea. I was too young, too innocent. How are you supposed to know anything when you're a young kid? You're just having fun, right? 
if you got an open mind, you will absorb it. It's amazing how clear that becomes to you. Mentors certainly are a big part of things. And Howard, I'm sure you've had the opportunity to be a mentor for people uh, as you've grown further along in your career. But I think it's a great piece of advice and something that I hope everybody has an opportunity to take advantage of. There's nothing that cheats the system when it comes to experience and your existence and that open mind and absorbing the opportunities that present themselves. It's been great to catch up with you. This has been a lot of fun to learn a little bit more about your accomplishments, what's driven you ultimately in life, and reminding everyone that creativity is king, keeping an open mind is important, and mentors will help show you the world. I hope to see you soon. Thanks again for having me here. It's been wonderful to visit with both you and your wife. You guys are wonderful people and your home is absolutely beautiful. I wish you all the best and I'll see you in the new year. Thank you. Take care. Is there anything else? I didn't forget anything, did I? When I thought about getting married, I had decided when my second wife died, I said, when I wake up every morning, I will think, what can I do for Melanie today? It's amazing if you think like that, what you can get done. What you can do for someone or something? Yes. Yeah. And you and Melanie have been with each other for over 30 years now. Yes. And you've lived a wonderful life. Yeah, we have. Hey, it's Sam. Thanks again for tuning in to The Light Pod, where we tell stories about people in the lighting industry, their accomplishments, and the challenges they face each and every day. One more thing real quick. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and head back to your podcast app to hit follow or subscribe. That's the easiest way to make sure you never miss an episode. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. Until then, cheers. Also, don't forget, check out that documentary on YouTube.